0: The one with Carla, come on, Peter. Get the lead out, I shouted encouragingly to the lanky freshman who was labouring down the back, straightway, on lap 3 of 8 in the 3000 meter GV race. Only the Forks 400m relays, Varsity, Girls and GV, were left after this race, and while we on Varsity had already mathematically lost our meat, the GV still had a slim chance for the win. If Peter, or Timmy, who was 10 yards behind Peter, could catch the fat kid from the other team just ahead of them. We had first and second in the bag already. A 1-2. sweep would tighten the score just enough that the relay would decide the match. If that fat kid held on for third, GV would lose before their pretty good relay team had their chance. Peter was thin, weak, and lacked confidence. In other words, he was me as a freshman. Given that, Coach Parvis had secretly assigned him to me as my project back during cross-country season in the fall. Most days, I felt like it was a pretty hopeless assignment. But every now and then, Peter showed me some guts. Today needed to be of those times. I'd have said more, but we are not allowed to run alongside races, and he had gone on too far to keep talking. Fortunately, Bridget was just past me on the track, waiting. The girls' meet was also already decided, except they had won theirs. Bridget was still a little blown from her own 3,000-metre race, just before this one, but she knew the Jivey score too. All right, Peter, she said warmly, I know you can do this. Jesus, Bridget, I thought. Kid has enough problems without you giving him a hard-on? You don't need to catch him yet, just get back close enough to make him think, she called out as Peter lumbered past. Come on, Phelps, I yelled at Timmy as he ran along near me, now twenty yards behind Peter. Peter needs you. Get up there and push him. There were two things I knew for certain in the universe. Apples do not fall upward, and Timmy was as close to Peter now as he would be for the rest of the race. Peter did not know it, but the entire meet hinged on him somehow finishing third ahead of the fat kid. He should have known it, but he didn't. He had not yet learned to follow the overall score. I walked over to Bridget. We had a minute before the race came around to where we stood again. For the first time in his life, I observed, Peter has an entire team's chances on his bony ass little shoulders. Think he'll come through. Hell if I know, drugged Bridget, watching Peter come off the last turn, passing by three of his GV teammates and two varsity sprinters who were all cheering him on. But he is getting that ultra-cool experience of having a lot of teammates like you cheering him on intently like they never have before. Maybe he responds, I privately thought that the more powerful motivation for Peter could be the girls like Tarity McLean, the sophomore Paul Volta, and Bridget herself rather than old geezers like me, whatever it would take. By the fifth lap, I started to believe he was going to catch his prey. His form was good, and he had closed most of the distance. As he approached me, he looked me in the eyes, and I made sure I showed confidence in mine. When you catch him, I called out, not if, but when, don't pass right away. Damned if, by the start of the bell lap, Peter had not caught the fat kid and was cruising along, breathing down his neck. His eyes met mine, and I knew he hadn't passed yet because I had told him not to. Once he passed me, And then Bridget, with 170 meters to go, he went for the power move and started to pass while still on the turn. And he did it. Hitting the straightaway, Peter had a full five-yard lead. But the fat kid had a kick in him, and Peter didn't. Our little freshman lost by 10 feet, and with him, so did the whole GV team. He didn't know, thank goodness. All he knew was that a bunch of seniors, Guys and even girls like Bridget swung by to tell him he ran a great race. It really was a great race, too. The best he had ever run in his life, and we all had noticed. It just hadn't been enough on that day. We had a good team, smart and supportive. If we had had anything in the way of physical talent, we would have been a threat. I didn't know how things would be the next year. The potential leaders among the current juniors were mostly a bunch of douch nozzles. So I just slapped Peter on the shoulder and dragged him to his feet by the hand. Get up, asshole. There's no sitting in track, I said good naturedly, and led him off to the back stretch to watch the relays, none of which mattered to the meat score emes, none of which mattered to the meat score any more. My buddies Adam and Trez had come up to watch most of the meat, but had already bailed to hit the dining room, after the boy's varsity became mathematically out of it the faithless punks. That left me to walk back to school with my track chicks, Bridget, Carla, and Beth. Carla was walking along easily, loose and comfortable. She's a high jumpable. She's a high jumper. They never get sore or tired, just pissed or elated. Bridget and I both had run two races and were sore as hell. Beth had won the 100 meter, stank up the 200 meter after a bad start, and had given the girls' relay team an insurmountable lead in the third leg of the Forks 400. She was a little wobbly and characteristically dishevelled. We walked down the long, open hill from the isolated track down to main campus in companionable silence. Silence! At least, until they inevitably decided it was time to fuck with me. Carla clapped my shoulder and drawled, "'Hey!' So when is our newly minted ladies' man going to hook up with a girl here at school? Piss off, Carla, I growled, good-naturedly. It was still bizarre to find myself not being politely left out when the subject of dating came up among the four of us. When did you last have a date? Not since Christmas, Carla replied defiantly, tossing her long blonde ponytail. That is why I am hoping to live vicariously through your shenanigans." Now that you have shenanigans, Alistair, give him a break, Bridget said easily. He can't screw two hot chicks every week. He should start with one then, Carla replied, grinning. Can't argue with that, Beth chirped, looking at me, ready to ask out Sherry Stroheim. Alistair? I silently looked at Beth, the image of her naked body humping up and down on my cock, her pretty, delicate tits bouncing wildly until she came like thunder Monday night leapt into my mind. Unbidden, but most welcome. She looked back at me blandly. I am not going out with Sherry, I said sternly. She's just not. I cut my thought off. Too late. Oh my God, Bridget laughed. Now he has standards. You would have drunk her bathwater just this winter, Alistair. And you know it, I blushed, but decided to own it. I agree, I replied calmly. But it has come to my attention since then— that I can do better than Sherry. Bridget rolled her eyes and shoved my shoulder. Fuck off, you conceited douche. It pleased me no end that none of the girls seemed to think in any way that I was wrong. Still, I was more than tired of being the focus of all the hazing about dating. How about you, Bridget? I asked, picking a random target that wasn't Beth. Got a hot date lined up for this weekend. Yes, Bridget said, leaving it at that. ''You didn't tell us!'' Carla exclaimed. ''So, who ya gonna canoodle with during the movie?'' Beth added. Bridget muttered something none of us could make out. Peter, Carla, who was closest to her asked, ''Freshmen are a little young for you, don't you?'' Petra, Bridget corrected her. ''I'm going with Petra. Well, that brought conversation to a momentary halt.'' ''Listen.'' Bridget liked dudes. The evidence was in and very clear on that front, But this would be Bridget's second date with Petra, the first having happened back in November. Was Bridget actually bit? Or was she just throwing Petra a bone? Or something in between? My plan to take the focus off me had backfired. No one wanted to talk about Bridget and Petra, at least not with me around, I suddenly realized. I was just deciding to object to being left out of the interrogation when the three of them mutually agreed to return the subject to me. So, no date yet, for you then, Alistair, Carla asked brightly. No, I said easily. I haven't decided how I... Ask Sherry. I'm telling you, Beth said. Not Sherry. Fine then, Beth laughed. If she isn't up to your standards, try Sarah Erickson then, for all I care. That brought me up short. Sarah was up to my standards. Sarah was up to Brad Pitt's standards. With her willowy body, round hips... Broad shoulders, naturally Viking blonde hair, and big, bouncy tits that she invariably refused to encase in a bra. I was sure that Sarah was the number one student instigator of nocturnal emissions among the school's population. But the image of her in my mind wasn't what brought me up short. I paused because I realized that I was thinking about it, thinking about it like it was even a remote possibility. I shook my head, and remembering her boyfriend Davis, running back in first baseman, I replied, Nah, I like my teeth where they are. We all walked along for several strides after that, before Carla leaned in close to Bridget. I could nevertheless hear her when she muttered, Jesus fucking Christ, or actually just thought about going for Sarah. If I heard her, Beth did too, and all three of them just walked quietly after that, I suddenly realized something that I had always known, but never really thought about. I had somehow accidentally lucked into having three of the best-looking girls at my school as close friends. None of them were Sarah Erickson, but they were all more than just a little hot. Maybe that was why I'd never been bullied as much as you otherwise, as I otherwise, would have expected. Did guys lay off me to avoid hurting their chances with my friends? or did I get more respect than I realised for just hanging out with such a large portion of the good-looking girls at school? I still think, Beth began at last. No, I said. I looked her in the eye and flared my nostrils once, twice, three times. I was imagining the scent of her pussy in my mind, and I could tell she knew it. Well, I'm running on ahead, Beth said, flipping her dark hair. I'm starving, and I need a shower before dinner, or they will throw me out of the dining hall. With that, she ran from my gaze. I was happy to watch that ass as it retreated. After a moment, Bridget mused, maybe you should ask Jen. Jen Potter was a girl whose cute face was marred by a constant struggle with acne, but still was attractive as hell. Her top-notch rack didn't hurt there. I was struck by the realisation that I was actually confident that if I made play for her, I could probably have her. Who the fuck was I? That's not a bad idea, I thought out loud. After practice the next day, I got hung up talking to Coach Parvis. First about Peter, then mostly about me and my own times. Coach continued to insist that I should not be peeking out as a runner yet. I had it in me to shave more seconds off my times. Inwardly, I wished Coach would point out where these hidden seconds were located, because I sure as hell could not find them. Outwardly, I listened politely, and wished he was right. After a last clap on my shoulder, Coach head for his car, and I started walking back toward school from the far end of the track. As I went, I passed the high jump pit, where Carla was still trying to break five feet. "'I'd like just a few more tries,' Carla was saying to Mrs. Fletcher, the coach." I just have to get the feel for the take-off. I agree, Carla. You are almost there, but I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. I have duty tonight, the silver-haired assistant, Dean said. And I can't leave you here jumping by yourself. I'll stick around, Dean Fletcher, I said, turning from my path. I know how to put the bar back up after Carla crashes into it. Your faith in me is inspiring, Carla said. But I do appreciate it, Alistair. All right, then. Just remember to cover the pad before you leave, and lock the chairs on top so morons don't go jumping on it for giggles, Mrs. Fletcher said, turning to go. Oh, she added, stopping. What is with the Alistair thing? Should I be calling you by a new identity for some reason? Ah, no, I said hurriedly. It's just an inside joke, Carla said with a smile. She turned to try again at her white whale of a height, and the dean ambled off, already reading and replying to emails on her phone. Carla grimaced at the bar, and took off toward it in her loping gait, gaining speed with each step. She curved up to the bar, and at the last moment twisted, her tall slender form curving in a graceful arch up into the air, and into the bar. She bounced back up and went back to set up again, as I retrieved and replaced the bar. This time, she narrowed her eyes to a piercing focus and dashed forward, her body soared up in an even more beautiful arch, and this time she came down on top of the pole. She winced at the impact and swore loudly at the failure. Carla was damned tall, almost as tall as me, and her delicately muscled body was like a steel spring. She was certain that she could do this height. I agreed. Come on, Carla, I said encouragingly just a little harder push off and you will have it, right? Carla just screamed. Who the fuck are you, man? She added in frustration, taking me aback. She advanced on me. Look, until this spring, you have always been this great friend who was funny, smart, and knew your limitations. Now, you are this goddamned force of nature who thinks he can do anything if he just decides he is going to do it. You even had Peter believing in that yesterday." "'Kid had no business running that guy down "'from as far back as he was.' "'He still lost,' I replied crankily. "'He was fifty yards back "'and was fading when you started getting your teeth into him. "'He lost well. "'There were lots of people cheering him on. "'Not just me. "'Yes, Alistair,' Carla said quietly. "'But you were the only one who he was listening to. "'What was her problem? "'And where was Carla getting this from?' "'Well, if I'm Newt Rockne,' I said.' putting the bar back up, then listen to me and find a way to push off just a little harder this time. She stared at me. You do realize that I'm clearing the height with every one of these jumps, right? The bar I keep putting back up says otherwise. No, it doesn't. I'm making the height. I'm just doing it too soon or too late. I don't have to fix the height. But the position of my jump, look, she said, turning sideways to me. Then she leaned her legs forward, and her shoulders back, her long legs and slender torso bending into an incredibly flexible backward curve that looked like three quarters of a circle. "'Standing there in that arresting arch,' she went on, "'I just need to make sure the top of my arch forms right over the bar. When I do, I'll roll right over,' I realised I was staring at her, somehow holding that bend. I shook my head and said, "'Got it. Thanks.' So what can I do to help? Carla just flowed back upright and shook her head again. And there is that change again. And there is that change again. I tell you that you are being an ass, and you just listen, say, okay, and reset. I've always been ready to listen to you guys when we argued. Yes, but before you were malleable, easily pushed into thinking differently. Now you are so self-confident you don't even feel threatened by being corrected. But if you still disagreed with me, You would push back now. Malleable? I didn't know where that word had come from, but I didn't like it, accommodating. Whatever, Carla said dismissively, my point is that most guys do not take correction from a girl very well. Fuck the last guy I dated, didn't even take a simple no very well. There was the slightest of quavers in her voice that told me instantly what she was implying there. Quickly, before she could clam up, I asked, Just who was your last date? Carla just looked at me, breathing heavily. And there! It is! Again, you are the same guy, Alistair, but totally different. Explain, I said, already cursing myself for letting us get off the subject of this guy's identity. Okay, Carla said, being to prowl around the paved, run-up apron in front of me, and the huge cushion that formed the high jump pit. First of all, I would have never felt the urge to tell the old you about that situation at all, even as obliquely as I did just now. But if I had, you'd have been understanding and supportive. And now I'm not, I objected hotly. No, of course you are that. But you are not primarily that anymore, Carla said, flushing a little. She barked a short laugh, almost a cough. Looked dude. You should have seen your face just now when you asked who he was. You were like a wolf for a second there. You were ready to sally forth and literally go kick his ass. I was still ready to sally forth and kick his ass if only she would tell me his name. It's the before and after, she went on. Before, good old Al was comfortable and unthreatening. Now, the new Alistair makes me feel safe. No, Alistair does not make me feel safe at all, but he makes me feel safe from the rest of the world wait, I somehow make you feel unsafe now. You really don't make me feel safe, Alistair. No, you don't, Carla said quietly, eyes cast down. Then she looked up into my eyes and added, and I really, really like that. So intent was I on what she had been saying. I hadn't quite realized that her restless prowling had brought her close to me. As she finished speaking, she took a last step straight forward, and I found her standing right in front of me, probably less than a foot away. Oh boy, was this about to get complicated. Prior to spring break, I had basically always avoided being physically near any girl, much less this close and staring into her eyes while I was there. But since my world had warped into unrecognizability, all the girls I had been near, deliciously near, had been a little or even a lot shorter than me. Carla was really tall for a girl, Both of us were over six feet. I found myself looking into a pair of eyes at almost, well, eye level instead of looking downward. It was a new sensation, and I felt myself responding to it. I was also responding to the things she had said about me. She had called me malleable, which I had bristled at, but also inspirational, which seemed over the top for what I deserved. And this not-safe shit was weird. I wanted to be hurt, but... Oh, man, was that new male instinct saying damn straight. It was. Then Carla rested her hand on my forearm and kissed me tentatively. Yep. Things were going to get complicated. I kissed her back briefly but fiercely to let her know my attraction, but I pulled back quickly. Quickly, but not far. This, hm, mm, This could be a bad idea, I said hesitantly. Carla flushed a little and shook her head as if to clear it. Yeah, that is just occurring to me too. I quivered a bit with both relief and disappointment, and I let my arms, which had been slowly reaching for her of their own volition, start to drop back to my side. But Carla retightened her grip on my forearm, matching the grasp on our other side. But listen, it is absolutely not a bad idea. It is just complicated, Carla said echoing Beth's and my exact conversation a few days before, in similar circumstances, which made this even more complicated. It's not like we are going to fall in love or anything, right? Please? Because I don't need that, and neither do you, and we sure as hell don't need the four. Alarm freak out that Beth and Bridget would have if we so much as went on a date or anything. But, she went on, drifting forward a little bit to place the entire delicious length of her body in just the barest contact with mine. She kissed me lightly again, but then tilted her head back quickly. She left her body in that tantalizing contact with mine, however. But nobody has to know everything. They don't have to know anything that we... I kissed her this time. I couldn't help myself. Her suddenly displayed desire was turning me on, as was her proximity, and especially her delicious, willowy form. Carla was thin, in addition to tall, and you would be forgiven for dismissing her figure as boyish if you weren't paying attention. But I saw her all the time in shorts and tank tops, or in those amazing yoga pants she liked to wear to class. Her wispy contours and her unconscious grace in movement were all woman, especially in the last year, as she had almost imperceptibly grown into her body. But while she knew she was talking about a complicated situation, she had no idea how complicated it would be for me. I tried to marshal my thoughts in the headwinds of Carla's proximity and the still tentative brush of her lips against mine. But I had already fucked Beth, and I fully intended to do that again, with gusto at the earliest opportunity, and Beth and I had agreed to keep that fact from Carla and Bridget, so things would not change between the four of us. Now, here was Carla, with much less apparent premeditation on her part than Beth proposing essentially the same arrangement. I mean, I didn't want to be completely presumptuous, so I did not know if Carla was interested in actual intercourse or not, but it was pretty clear from context that she was definitely down to get at least close. I couldn't tell if I was in heaven or hell. If I was having sex with Beth in an explicitly non-monogamous context and not telling Carla, while having sex with Carla, also non Monogamously, and not telling Beth, was I cheating on them both. Or neither. My day. Today mine told me, I might be contemplating being a cheater, even though I would be adhering to the literal rules of each relationship. My desires, especially at that moment, were being very persuasive on the other side of the debate. I would not be cheating. My male instincts were quite insistent on the proposition of, Who the fuck cares? Do her. Now. All parts of my mind shied away from the question of whether if Bridget should ever find out about the whole thing, any of us, even Beth, would be fast enough to make it out of the area before Bridget murdered us all for not telling her. Through this whole inconclusive thought process, I was still likely kissing Carla. But I think she felt my conflict, though likely not what it was over. "'I'm sorry,' she said softly, against my lips. "'What for?' I asked, but I did not seek to instantly reassert our kiss. "'For coming on like this, out of nowhere,' she said, her words rushing. "'It must be disorienting. We are friends, right? It's disorienting to me too. I. I sure didn't plan this. Ten minutes ago. "'Hell, five minutes ago. I had no idea that I was going to give in and just hit on you like I've been wanting to lately, and—' And mean, I know, I'm not some voluptuous chick like the. And here I am, throwing myself at you like I'm a bigger slut than. My hands snapped up, grabbing her wrists hard. I tugged her forearms up and ever so slightly to the side, cutting off the flow of her words. I legit glared at her. You are not. I slut, I said with a ferocity that surprised me and seemed to shock her. Don't ever say that. Ever. I took an angry breath, and as for how desirable you are, come on, Carla, you and all you've been saying, and your beautiful face, with its fuck, with its cute goddamned nose, and and that, that insanely flexible, tall, and gravit defying body of yours, don't you realise how fucking hard you've got me right? Now, I shook her wrists a little in frustration. Part of my frustration was outright sexual, of course. It was hard to hold myself back at that moment. But more of it was with myself. How could I have allowed anything I was involved in to lead this girl, this magnificent friend of mine, to say or feel such terrible things about herself? I mean, really. I went on, trying to lift the mood. You've been pressing against my crotch for a while now. Surly, you feel it, I insisted pressing my hips even harder against her in illustration. Carla just moaned a little. "'There it is,' Carla breathed, disengaging her wrists from my grasp and dangling her arms over my shoulders from a high angle that I had never felt before. "'There's that not-safe feeling I'm craving so hard,' she murmured. We were standing right beside the pit, knees practically brushing the high, red, foam-stuffed cushion. Carla's hold on me with her arms tightened just a bit, and she turned to fall backward onto the firm surface of the pit, pulling me down on top of her. We bounced down atop it. Two lanky, almost gangly, tall people, falling in a tangle of long limbs. It probably looked ridiculous, but it felt sexy as hell, and there was no one to see how ridiculous we might have looked. I let my weight sink fully down on Carla pressing her into a cushion designed to safely catch bodies falling from a height. I let the hard ridge of my cock press firmly into her abdomen, throbbing with eagerness, and I kissed her. No hesitancy nor gentleness this time. My head was pressing the back of hers into the foam, my mouth forcing both our lips apart, and I mined her mouth with my tongue. I realized that this hunger was what she wanted, at least from me, If this was the not safe feeling she desired, I would give it to her. I would give it to her. And oh man, was I going to enjoy myself. At least, unless she ever said no. I moved my mouth downward to devour her amazingly long slender, unblemished neck with kisses, licks, and even a little bite or two. I had to restrain myself for trying to give my first hickey, since one of those would definitely blow up the whole Keep This, a secrets portion of this wonderful programme. Oh, Carla groaned. Where the fuck can we go? Go, I asked dismissively. Nowhere, I answered, and kept pressing my weight upon her, restoring my licks to her neck. There was so much gorgeous neck to attend to. Nowhere? Carla squawked forcefully reminding me that my ravaging of her was just role-play. This girl's mind and body would always be her own. Look, mister, in case I have not made my agenda clear, I want to. Fuck you, and I'd like to do that now, if we can find somewhere. And before you go all full idiot on me again, I am not getting naked and making the beast with two backs with you out here, in the middle of the track, in broad daylight." I sighed and rolled off of Carla, to a small sound of disappointment from her. I sat up and said, Look around. Yet another new discovery, that day, was that even my male instinct, in full flower, was no match for my innate affection for explaining my own, allegedly, brilliant thought processes. I pulled Carla up into a seated position beside me, wrapping an arm acquisitively around her waist. Yes, We are out in the open. But practice is just over, and everyone is gone. There is no reason for anyone to wander all the way back up here now, especially so close to dinner. Moreover, we can see all the way down to school, if someone did start back up toward us, and we are not in the middle. Of the track, we are over here to the side, against the undergrowth and the trees. We won't show up from a distance. Have you ever seen the pit when you were walking up here, until you reached the track itself. No, you haven't.' I leaned over toward her and leered. Hell, even sound doesn't carry very far from around here. Carla looked silently at the terrain, matching it to my admittedly self-interested analysis. "'You make a compelling argument,' she said slowly. Then she turned to me and grinned. "'So compelling, in fact, I think I'm going to suck your cock now. With that, She playfully shoved me backward onto the firm surface of the pit. With a lunge, Carla grabbed for my shorts, tugging at the waistband. I lifted my hips to let her slide them off me, and I took that opportunity to shift back so even my feet were fully on the pit. In a couple of weeks, I had gone from near paralysis, when simply near pretty girls, to not even thinking about it when I helped them take off my clothes. Carla followed me crawling fully onto the mat, and looking up down on me, and my throbbing erection, uncomfortably contained in my jock. Damn, Alistair! she murmured. Carefully, almost cautiously, she tugged the thick waistband and uncomfortably constricting fabric pouch-free of my painfully purple erection. It rose, happy to be free, and Carla said, seriously, you did not lie, as she tugged the jock free. Yep, Having women act like they were making a visit to Hagia Sophia whenever they first saw my cock was never, ever, ever, ever going to get old. But Carla's reaction was really less surprise and more eagerness. I let it twitch as she reached for it, and she almost giggled. Then she gently circled the base of my shaft with her hand and bent immediately to drag her tongue, drenched in saliva, up my length. "'Oh, fuck!' was all I could articulate. Looking down, I could see that Carla's tongue, like pretty much everything else about her, was long. It was also flexible and coordinated, as she soon demonstrated by the way she circled it around my helmet. I soon was collapsed on my back on the pit, melding with the cushioning as Carla worked her lips and tongue over my entire cock, front, back, and sides. As she got lower, She shifted the gentle grip of her hand from the base up to just under my glands, leaving her access to kiss around the very base of my shaft. Oh, fuck, I groaned yet again, for about the millionth time. Damn, Carla. I thought you wanted to be an architect, not a surveyor. What? Carla chuckled distractedly. It's like you are mapping every square inch of me. Maybe I am. There is a lot to map, she smirked. Then she leaned even lower and blew on my balls. My vocabulary shrunk back down to just, oh, and fuck. Then she slid her lips around one ball, first sucking gently on it, then humming a tune I did not quite recognize. To say I was primed was an understatement, and Carla knew it. She let my testicle slip from her mouth, and she rose to let copious saliva drip from her mouth into the palm of her hand. Then she took those sopping fingers, wrapped them around me once more, and, for the first time, started stroking my length. Her grip was perfect, not too tight or too soft, and her fingers slid easily over the soft skin, stretched to the limit over my cock. With a grin up at me, Carla bent over the side of me, and took several inches of my cock between her lips without preamble, her lips clamped down on me, and her tongue cradled my head within her mouth. I groaned even harder at this, then even harder still as she bobbed up and down, sliding me in and out between the embrace of her lips. To this point, I had been amazed at each oral experience I had had. As far as I had believed, each girl was an artist, but I was suddenly realising that skills varied here too, and Carla's, when it came to sucking my cock, were next level Soon, I felt myself being taken deeper and deeper into her mouth with each pump. Even when I felt myself brush the back of her throat, there was no gagging. At least, not at first. I thought my cock might have actually been starting to go down into her goddamn throat when she finally gagged. She slid all of me free from her lips, leaving them pursed in concentration. It's okay, I gasped. It's not. Carla just waved me off. Never relinquishing her grip on my shaft, or the slow pumping of that grip, she just shifted around on the pit beside me. Now on her hands and knees, she crawled around into position, so that her knees were beside my shoulders, with the rest of her facing down toward my cock, parallel to its straining length. This'll do it, Carla muttered to herself, and leaned forward to swiftly slide her mouth over my cock again. She released my shaft and placed both hands on my narrow hips, her whole body now moving to bob her mouth up and down my dick. I felt her take a bit more of me into her with each slide, just as she had before. But this time, when I felt myself bumping against the back of her throat, her position let her just slide me easily past and down. I was barely able to keep from growling at the absolute top of my lungs As I suddenly realised that that was her nose down there, brushing my balls, I lifted my head enough to stare down at her. Her unusually elegant neck looked almost fat, and I realised that that was my entire fucking cock inside her, visibly stretching out her throat. I wasn't sure how I wasn't just pouring cum out everywhere already, but I was beginning to learn how not to instantly pop when some gorgeous girl did something amazing to me by now and Carla was quite clearly in no hurry to rush me. I was being expertly tortured, and she hadn't even asked me any questions. But her tight, little, round ass was right there beside me, with her long, lithe thighs next to my shoulder. And then there was what was between those thighs. I reached up awkwardly, and tugged her black adidas, running shorts down her legs, Revealing a canary yellow pair of Victoria's secret athletic panties with a black waistband clinging to her ass. They looked incredibly sexy, but they had to go too. I tugged at that waistband, and they slid with difficulty down her thighs to her knees along with the shorts. Careful not to choke herself on my dick as she did so, Carla lifted first one knee, then the other to let the garment slide free. As the second leg was lifted to shed its currently unwanted fetter, I realised that it could just as easily come back down on the other side of my head. With a tug, I dragged her leg over my head, and now she was kneeling over me, giving me a view straight up to her utterly shaven pussy. It was smooth as silk, and the slit glistened with gooey goodness. I kissed the inside of her thigh hungrily. Below, I felt my cock slowly being drawn out of Carla's throat, its progress smooth, deliberate, and uninterrupted, except for a tiny hiccup when I assumed my head bumped over the entrance to her windpipe. There was a lot to remove, but when I was free, Carla gasped happily and turned to look back and down at me. So, you are really going to do this now, huh? She breathed, sucking in suddenly unconstricted breaths. She let her knees spread a little lowering her crotch to just within reach of my face. I lifted up and caressed her tight, but wet slit with my tongue. You don't, um, get to have. Oh, wow, she grunted, then grabbed my cock and lifted it to her mouth again. She mouthed over the head for a moment, then stopped, freeing it from her lips again one last time, just long enough to say, and oh yeah, finally a guy tall enough to make this work. With that, Carla began inexorably reinserting my dick into her throat once more. The pleasure from that oral embrace suffused my body, upward to my mouth where it met a wave of satisfaction as I began to delve my own tongue well into Carla's pussy. Her wet confines, of course, tasted delicious in their own, unique way, but I was surprised by how weak her aroma was. What there was of it was lovely but its essential absence seemed to add a deliciously disorienting difference to that day. Carla groaned as I pierced into her pussy with my tongue, then her hips bucked as I flicked out and brushed her clit, accidentally at first. In no time, she lost the patience that she had so far displayed and began to work vigorously to spiral my arousal upwards. Her bobbing increased in rate, and my head shrieked in pleasure as it caressed the inside of her throat. There was nothing accidental about how I now addressed her clitoris in response she moaned involuntarily and my cock sang in response to those vibrations it was like we were suddenly in a feedback loop a delicious fast constricting loop and then i was suddenly at a boil i pulled my mouth desperately from her snatch and gasped out i'm gonna oh god Carla, I'm going to! I tried to buck my hips back to free myself so I didn't come inside her throat, but Carla just kept me firmly impaling her face, the only change being her hands that were bracing her against my hips, slid swiftly forward so her fingertips could tickle my balls. I had no chance, and I flooded Carla's esophagus with jizz in a single deluge of ejaculatory excess. I heard her swallow it. I felt it. I felt it. I felt her swallowing motion stroke my cock inside her throat. I would have come instantly had I not been literally finishing doing just that. My head collapsed back momentarily and my hips sagged into the cushion. Carla swallowed again and smoothly rose up, letting my cock slip from her throat, then lips. Carla gasped and coughed, but in no distress. Wow, she murmured as she straightened up over me. She was saying, Wow! I was just hoping that we could find the top of my head when this was all over, but as she straightened up on her knees, Carla's shifting weight pressed her deeper into the pit, lowering her labia much closer to my face. My whole body, even my tongue, still quivering. I dove back to my reciprocal task with delight. Every time my tongue contacted her clit, I heard and felt a shiver of arousal. Since I too had no need to prolong this particular part of our activities, I unleashed a full-scale assault on that glorious little bud. Each stroke of my tongue got a louder gasp of joy. I felt those little gasps build up on each other, and when I guessed that she was right on the crest of release, I jammed my tongue back, deep inside her. I appeared to have timed it right, as she cried out in a strange, voiceless gasp. Above my eyes! Beyond the tight, tiny little cheeks of her ass, I could see her back arching backward, almost violently, the delicate but powerful muscles writhing beneath the skin. After a moment of that delirious rictus, Carla almost fling herself off me, rolling across the pit until she came to rest, curled up in a fetal position. Quivering, I struggled up on an elbow and just enjoyed watching the aftershocks run through her. But as they slowed... I crawled over to her, peeling her head from between her knees. I kissed her. I did it gently and comprehensively, though with no tongue. She responded eagerly, but then jerked away, wiping first her own lips, then daubed at my face with the heel of her palm. H! Carla exclaimed, not quite in disgust. I can't believe I'm kissing you with so much of my own juices all over your mouth. Hey, I just kissed you right after you blew me, I protested happily, though, to be honest, I did not taste much in your mouth. "'That is because you came right down my throat,' Carla laughed, still wiping at my face. "'I didn't get to taste anything either.' She giggled. "'The next time we do this, I hope you don't mind if I have to come in my mouth, not my throat. I want to taste it.' "'Nothing about that sentence is anything but awesome,' I grinned. "'But forget next time,' Carla said, kissing me again.' Juices be damned. As soon as you are ready, I want that serious fucking I begged for earlier. Then I guess that you are going to get what you want, I said, rolling over on top of her. I was too turned on by having my first 69 outside with Carla to have gone soft even a little. She reached between us and grasped still very hard cock. Already, she gasped. I'm just really really turned on,' I murmured. I shifted between her legs and pressed my dick against her. She was still swollen and utterly soaked from my ministrations just a few minutes before. My head slipped into her easily, and with a roar of exultation, I drove myself into her, delving into her in a single, mighty, agonizingly slow stroke. "'Oh my god!' Carla moaned loudly as I slid home, pubes tickling against her clit. I immediately began pumping into her, as firmly as I could. I looked down at her below me as I thrust. I am hard as, on, a rock for you. I gritted through my teeth. But after you, made me come. Oh God, so hard before, Urng. I doubt I'll be, coming any time soon. So you, are just going to have to, urge, uh, take this for a while. I grunted loudly with each thrust now, giving her the taste of not safe Alistair that she and I had wanted earlier. The brightness in her eyes, as she looked up at me, told me it was the right call. I settled into a rhythm, realising that I had not been joking, and my balls really were going to take a lot longer to answer the bell again than my shaft was already doing. Like this was a distance race, I had to hit a stride and conserve my strength. And we distance... Runners had had to run 35, 200-meter intervals during practice earlier. For the first time, I realized that basic physical endurance could actually be an issue in sex. I'm in shape. I'm in really good shape. But Carla was going to test my aerobic conditioning. After a moment of wool-gathering about lung capacity and energy reserves, I realized that we both still had our shirts on. I pulled my knees upward, letting me swing upright while still driving into Carla, and yanked my shirt over my head. I was outside, in broad daylight, getting laid. I leaned forward again, still on my knees, and tugged upward on Carla's tank top. She rolled a bit below me to help me work it off. I looked down at her, wearing nothing but a yellow Victoria's Secret jog bra that matched her panties discarded beside us on the pit while I drove into her. Now listen, Carla is beautiful, but she is scarcely endowed at all. Her breasts, like all her other curves, are more whispers than shouts. Yet she always wore either sports or some other fairly bulky and obvious bras. I did not know why. I just knew I wanted this particular sports bra gone. Carla seemed to shrug at my eagerness, but she happily worked with my to-tug the thing up and off over her shoulders. And then I knew why she always wore thick, bulky bra. Her mammary flesh may have been non-existent beyond just a gentle swell, but her nipples, her round, almost strawberry-pink aureoles were so puffed up they were like cones, and her nipples jutted above the tips like flagpoles. One chilly breeze, and you would have seen her nipples from space without lots of lycra or heavy padding to hide them. I just stared at them as I thrust. Then I gently grabbed one of her legs and lifted it. With Carla's flexibility, it rose easily and I lay the back of it flat against my chest, her ankle waving near my ear as I continued to relentlessly pound her. Then I lifted the other leg to match it. I rose up onto my knees, pulling her hips upward as I rose, allowing me to just keep driving into her joyously. I reached down around her slender legs and stretched my fingers toward those insane nipples. Carla was just grooving, eyes closed, letting me ride her happily. I reached out with both index fingers and stroked those nipples simultaneously. Her eyes shot open, and she gasped happily. Wow! These were far and away the most sensitive nipples that I had encountered in my increasingly less limited experience. Carla's eyes gleamed, and she growled. Touch them. That had been my idea all along, so I was happy to oblige. I grasped one nipple, pinching it eagerly but softly, and let my middle fingertip trace an idle circle around the other aureole. I may have been moving idly, feeling my loins begin to fully recover only now, but my attention to her nipples now had Carla anything but looking relaxed, My leaning forward against the backs of her legs had changed my position, and for the better for her. That, combined with the jolts my fingers were sending to her brain through her super-sensitive nipples, and she was a minute later just groaning with rising pleasure. She had been happy before, but now her body was asserting itself against her mind. She breathed more shallowly, and moaned with each new way I found to touch her fascinating little nipples. I wanted to watch her, I had a perfect view of her face, and I wanted to see it contort in orgasmic release, more than one, if I could manage it. Come for me, I gasped in a demanding tone. Do it, I practically commanded. I really had zero experience in being super assertive, but that was what Carla wanted, and every time I gave her what she wanted, she repaid me in spades, so I was going to try. So I basically just growled out a demand for whatever I inwardly wanted to beg for. And it did here too. I made my strokes as long as I could, pulling further out with each swing of my hips, and that also seemed to touch the right points inside Carla. Those super long strokes were honestly starting to exhaust me a little, but fortunately I didn't have to keep it up long. In moments... Carla was flailing her head back and forth and grunting like an animal. Then her fists pounded down on the pit cushion beside her, her hips jerked even higher upward, and every muscle in her body seemed to start to spasm, especially the ones wrapped around my cock, which most definitely enjoyed the sensation of her clenching and rolling herself around me. Her face was illuminated from within by passionate release. It was glorious each wave of release was glorious. The strength went out of Carla's legs. I sank back down a little, then let one of those fabulous lithesome legs droop off my shoulder to flop down beside me on the pit. It curled almost absently on the pit. It curled almost absently around and over my still kneeling leg. Now I wrapped my arms around her remaining leg that I kept against my chest. Oh, God, Alistair, Carla gasped, smiling crookedly. This is so good, but it is wearing me out, and you look beat. Please tell me you are going to come. I was indeed getting exhausted too, but fortunately the combination of watching her face as she came, feeling her body as she did so, and mostly my delicious hammering into this wonderful waif like I was a stallion had me indeed fully reloaded. I'm getting there, I panted. Where, where do I pull out? Fuck me, Carla growled. I've been on the pill, like, forever. The doc put me on it a long time ago to control my cramps. I shied away from my usual habit of asking questions whenever I hear something I'd never known about before, and I had never heard of the pill doing anything useful beyond preventing pregnancy. But right now, I really did not need to discuss menstruation, I clutched at Carla's leg like a sailor lashed to a mast in a violent storm and let myself go. In but a few more thrusts, I felt a powerful surge. I buried myself as deeply as I could within her and felt my floodgates loose. I practically moaned my lungs out as waves of warmth surged out of my cock and deep into Carla. I shivered with release, gasping for air. I almost automatically managed One more mighty thrust, and that was enough. Carla had sagged bonelessly beneath me as I started to come, but my final thrusts, combined with the flood of cum that I host into her, ripped a final wave of pleasure from her loins in response. I rolled off of her, or more accurately, I collapsed. My dick, sure as hell, wasn't holding its erection this time, and it shrank like a popped ballon. I felt like I was melding into the welcoming, firm cushion of the pit. Oh man, did I feel good? Exhausted, but good. Suddenly, I felt Carla poke me. Wake up, you jerk. We won't see anyone coming toward us if we are fucking asleep. I wasn't asleep, I said in confusion. You were snoring, Carla laughed. And before you think I'm being superior, your snoring is what woke me up. Come on, we are going to miss dinner. I groaned and sat up, looking for my clothes. We dressed swiftly and started to head down to school. Then we had to turn around and go back to pile folding chairs on the pit and cover it up. You just didn't want people coming up here and horsing around with unauthorized shenanigans on the high jump pit. We really are late now, and we both have to shower before we go to the dining hall, or the whole school will smell what we've been up to, Carla opined. I knew she was right, and thanked her for the realisation. People often hit the dining hall on cafeteria nights without showering after practice. I might have unthinkingly done the same. Had I sat down next to, say, Bridget, smelling like I did right then. It is seriously late, said Carla. Come on, Mr. Runner, I'll race you. You have got to be kidding me, I shouted balefully as she ran off ahead of me.